0: of Earth, if you can hear my voice, you arrived at episode number 75 of Breakfast with Brent Pope. And my guest today has to be great, and he is actor, writer, John Dreska. You've seen this dude on shows like Call Me Cat, All-American, Roadies. We're going to talk all about that. And that's not all. We go back in the sketch world. We've done some sketch for a long time. And we also had breakfast at a Thai food joint rotted. Mmm, it was good. So let's go. We have John Dreska today on Brentfast. Breakfast. <coughs> Pick it up! Welcome to Breakfast with Brad Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. <laughs> I could go on a Hallmark <laughs> card. My uh, guest today. Oh, I'm gonna need to hear all about that. <laughs> I didn't need any extra sausage. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> <laughs> Is a goat pit a real thing? Brent what? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue collar guys. Brent Let me screw through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. I love a crawler Oh, my uncle's got the gout. Jalapeno slash cheddar waffles. Who doesn't love that? It's breakfast time. Breakfast. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your
1: host, Brent Pope. I was not told that I have to be great for this.
0: Ah. <sighs> me John's agent on the phone, please? <laughs> Not the booking manager. I said agent. Thank you. John Dreska, welcome to the Tiny Studio, LA, in beautiful North Hollywood, California.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here. This Ye- is this is a good setup. Thank you. Well, now that we've
0: paused the show and talked to your booking agent, you're singing a different tune than you were a minute ago, sir. Uh, no, I just you you said
1: somebody's <laughs> got to be great for the seventy fifth anniversary and or seventy fifth show, and all I all I was told to do was show up today. So well,
0: I think it's implied I'm not going to be great. Someone's got to be you.
1: All right. <laughs> There's a whole (laughs) mental maelstrom going on now, right at the top of this whole process. This, this, uh, all right, we have to fight through this. (laughs) Well, you and I
0: met at the iOS. We've done a lot of, uh, sketch comedy together and competing against each other. (laughs) And as odd as that seems in the sketch world. That was a long time ago, but those those were the glory days. Some of the most fun times I've had doing comedy, you know, and that was when I couldn't even get like a TV audition, you know, at all. Oh yeah. But
1: I was having fun. It was, uh, I mean, it's an overdone, um, you know, cliche—that's a really pat on the back, but those were kind of the the quote unquote punk rock days. Of, oh, of the LA okay sketch scene. That because that was before the established sketch program at yeah, the iOS. If you'll recall, that you know we, we were doing those cage matches and those tournament competitions in like oh nine and twenty ten. Yeah, so it was a totally different beast. It was super duper indie back then.
0: Mm mm-hmm. You had a group called Moon County. Yeah. I always want, I never asked you this. What is is Moon County a county? What's the name? What's the origin of that name? Or is it a non sequitur?
1: It's fair. It's a fairly non sequitur. It was, you know, we were going, we were throwing ideas around. I guess we liked the ring of Moon County. And we were thinking of calling ourselves the Moon County Confederacy. And even back in 2007, somebody was smart enough to be like, you know, Maybe we shouldn't have the Confederacy <laughs> Maybe not <part>. the Confederacy. <laughs> that might just send the wrong message because uh, cause none of us are like that. And um, so I don't know. We landed on Moon County, and I think it helped. You know, a lot of the guys from that crew, we all met at Indiana University, and a lot of guys were from Indiana. And I think if I could venture a guess, I think that spoke to a lot of our Midwestern roots. We just kind of liked that vibe that Moon County evoked. Yeah. And I think we had grand plans of, of if we had if we became a kids in the hall type thing, that was going to be kind of the hook of our show. All, all of the sketches were going to take place in this like fictional oh,
0: place. That's, yeah, that's smart and interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah. But at the end of the day, it just it had a good ring to it. I mean, you remember it. Yeah. <laughs> 12 it sounds later, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. The other ones were like there were
0: really good groups. And I was like, the name's not really Catchy though,
1: right? Valid, yeah. Or or it's kind of self self serving, yeah. Or, or like s-
0: some kind of really bad pun that doesn't oh, work. Yeah. P- heavy heavy on
1: the puns, yeah. Yeah, it's a well, shame.
0: S- hey, so you mentioned the Midwest. Did you grow up in Illinois?
1: Yeah. So I was I was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Born and baptized. That's about it. And then until I was about nine, I lived in a somewhat small city in Ohio called Defiance, Ohio. But both my parents are from Chicago, and all, you know most of my family. Is there. So when I was nine, they moved us back to Cook County and I grew up in a suburb called Berwyn, Illinois, which is like just on the city limits. I went to high school in Chicago and yeah. that sort of thing. So. Well,
0: there's such a rich, especially improv comedy scene in Chicago, well, actually all comedy in Chicago, really. Living in that kind of part of the
1: the United States, was that a big influence on you becoming a comedian? You know, I, I can't say it did. You know, I, I saw a Second City show here and there when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, I, I jumped at the chance to join the improv club in high school, okay. which was actually, it was a classmate's father, had, knew a thing or two about Second City. So he was our, you know, sort of instructor. And this is a little sad. I remember when Chris Farley died, yeah. it felt like, you know, he was one of us. You right. know, like everybody knew that he, he kind of got his start in Chicago, even though he was really kind of a Madison, Wisconsin boy. So, you know, I was aware of it, but no, I, I, I can't say I was I was strongly inspired or influenced by that presence gotcha. in Chicago. Chicago just so big, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard for a kid, even with access to public transit, to go to, you know, what are essentially nightclubs, yeah. <laughs> you know, on a right. regular basis. Yeah. So
0: I was going to ask you, so you had the improv club in high school. Was that something where you were just kind of learning improv at your own school or was something where you were like doing improv with other schools also?
1: Yeah, it was, it was just, Super basic, you know. I, I, At the time, I thought there was like two rules of improv. You know, no denying, no questions. You <laughs> right. know, that, that was the extent right. of the teaching. And then we we did a ton of scene work, and and it was basically. So to answer your question, we we had a show, one show at the end of the year in uh, in house. So okay. it, it was an intramural thing, but um, it was it was born out of that second city tradition of you you improvise a ton to eventually hone in on good concepts or good situations or good characters that you then Sort of build out in kind of an unscripted sketch type okay. review. We never had paper scripts, but we definitely by the time we were doing our quote unquote improv shows, we knew what bits we were going to be doing. Okay, gotcha. Shows. Yeah.
0: So it's kind of like using improv, almost like writing a skeleton of a script.
1: I guess it it was throwing a lot of stuff at the wall. Yeah, and then what whatever stuck, we just had to kind of like. I mean, I'm sure someone was taking notes or something. Yeah, but we just had to kind of remember what were what were our favorite things we saw over the course of yeah. the year or the semester, yeah. So backtracking to eighth grade is, is okay. where it all began for me. We yeah. had a talent show in eighth grade, and, uh, you know, I wasn't like a class clown or even considered myself funny, but I was doing impressions of teachers for a while, you know, yeah. behind their back to, yes. my, to my friends. Great I, way to become popular in high school, by the way, with the other <laughs> students. It's a great way. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. So I decided to do that for the talent show in eighth grade, and I was also sort of like an MC. So I yeah. had these impressions peppered throughout the mm-hmm. show when we did it at the end of eighth grade. And my very first you know, impression, I got up there. I was doing my gym teacher. He had a beard. I had a big fake beard on. I step out from behind the curtain. And I, I do my voice, you know, I go, I hello, children. And it was like crickets. I'm like, oh, no, 800 kids just staring at me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I'm not funny. I'm bombing. They don't get it. How do they not get it? But I have no choice to just keep going with my bit. And yeah. my next bit is I introduce who I am. So okay. I go, it's time for gym class. I'm Mr. Johnson. And the whole fucking place just erupted. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I remember this very vividly it, like it hit me. it was like a realization I was like oh shit this is what I'm good at yeah oh this is what I'm meant to do for the rest of my life because even as a 14 year old I was already having these like existential okay. you know wanderings of like well, who am I you know yeah. what am I and then later that summer, the summer between eighth and ninth grade, I came to Southern California and visited some family and I saw okay. Universal Studios and the Hollywood yeah. sign, all that shit. So I got seduced by Los Angeles and also inspired by the art itself. So by the time I got to high school and I found out about this improv class or this improv club, it was a no brainer. I was absolutely yeah. going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, to this day, I, I prefer sketch. I prefer the, the preparation and the acting uh, aspects of that. Yeah, that improv club was was formative, certainly.
0: So you saw that you went to Universal Studios and you're like uh writing in your journal, like, I will be
1: in this Water World show. <laughs> I, I, we, I was staying in Valencia with my aunt and uncle and I was like, Valencia, it's so luxurious. <laughs> it's so close to everything. <laughs> I don't know. The first time I ever
0: went to Universal Studios, I went as an adult, totally. But I still thought, man, it'd be super fun to be one of these tram drivers that like given the tours. Yeah. And they all have their own little spin on. They're almost like seven Southwest Airlines uh, people that do the announcements they they put their own little spin on it I always thought that'd be super fun and I actually have known quite a few of my friends who are actors that did that as a job at one time Yeah, John Dreska we have to talk about this there's a handful of guys I know that have actually flown out to to SNL Saturday Night Live to audition Yeah, which is a big deal there's kind of like your friends that have done that and then all your friends that haven't (laughs) Uh,
1: it's a status symbol,
0: you know what uh, yeah, I mean? Yeah, Whether you think it is or not, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. a big deal.
1: Tell me about that. This was in 2014. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> so at the time I, I had, I was with an, uh, an agency that was pretty much just getting me out for commercials. Um, and proving that all of Hollywood is nepotism, a friend of a friend, <laughs> kind of reached out to me out of the blue. He, he was at APA, the agency, and he said, uh, hey, have you thought about making an SNL video? And... I kind of blew him off a little bit. I was like, I don't really do impressions. I don't even watch the show that much. You know, no, th- you know, I don't think I said no thanks, but I kind of demurred. And then a couple of weeks later, he e- emailed me again. He hit me up and he was like, so anyway, make an SNL video, make it less than five minutes and make it kind of like this. And he sent me a link to one of his client's videos. So luckily, at this point in my life, I'm 29 years old. I'm like fairly complacent. I'm still like, quote unquote, living the dream of just yeah. like doing live comedy and like drinking. <laughs> Drinking a lot, so, uh, (laughs) so I was like, you know what? I got this guy on my side somehow. I should probably do this. So anyway, I threw this video together. I got it to him. He shipped it to SNL. Then they wanted to see me at the live Los Angeles showcase, which they used to do every year. And for many years, they did it at the IO West. Yeah. So. You know, I I think there was a little bit in the back of my mind that made me feel very comfortable and confident just because I knew that physical space so well. Anyway, that happened, and then I got the call that they wanted to fly me to to New York, to Studio 8-H. So I went. I had tickets to see the White Sox play the Giants in San Francisco for the exact same days, so I had to bail on those tickets. You know, they flew flew us in on a Tuesday. The audition was on a Wednesday and, uh, you know, flew us out on Thursday. So that Wednesday, you know, you go up to the the floor, you know, we've, we've probably all seen those, uh, hallways in some of those host bits where Course, they're, where they're yeah. walking through. Yeah. So they, you know, they, sh- they shoved me into a green room. There was a cheese platter there, a little bit of time in uh, makeup. There wasn't much for them to do to me. And then, uh, I believe I was the first person to audition. I think there were 16 or 18 or 20 folks there. Uh, and I went up first in the afternoon about probably about 3 PM or so and did my shtick. There was, uh, so it was like on the stage, you know, where the host stands every week and. Uh, one big TV camera, like right in front of me, and then a couple tables off to the side where there was maybe, to my recollection, maybe only like eight folks or so, like less than a dozen. And Lauren was kind of lurking underneath a uh, a lamp. I, I caught like a, a glimpse of his visage out of the corner of my eye and then I was going through a total kind of mental meltdown. I was like, "Oh my god. I was actually thinking about the talent show in 8th grade. I was like, "Oh my god, like what am I doing here? I, do I deserve this? How, how can I possibly be here? What the hell is happening to me?" You know, like just kind of spiraling and then for the first time in my life, and this has only happened to me twice. The other time was a couple of years later when I was proposing to my wife, but this sense of pure presence came over me like my past evaporated and my future was meaningless and all I had was like my own skin that I was inside of wow (laughs) so it was this very zen like presence and the guy working the camera kind of like called action and I went into my shtick and I killed it to be perfectly honest uh I you know I, I wouldn't change a single thing about it and anyway, I did I went back to my green room. They they were going to let me know if they wanted to see anything else, so I sat around for like another half hour or so, and then they said, "You know, you're free to go." So I was out of there by probably like 4:35 in the afternoon. Yeah. And then, you know, that was that. Obviously, I didn't get hired. That was the year they hired Pete Davidson was the only person who got mm. hired that year. So but it was cool, you know, and then that, that guy, that friend of a friend who pushed me to audition in the first place ended up becoming my agent proper. And I had, you know, pretty solid representation for about five years. But yeah, that was I mean, frankly, like you like you were saying a minute ago, that that is probably the coolest thing I've done, even yeah. though I didn't get the job, Right, you know, um, because it is a pretty big deal to, to get that call. So.
0: Well, let me ask you this, when you're done with your audition and you leave the building, what do you do?
1: I had a friend from high school who lived in New York. Uh, one of my, one of my best friends from high school, he picked me up and uh, I, I had actually spent about seven months not drinking alcohol. Yeah, And we went out and partied that night. We partied pretty hard. Yeah. So. I think we went to a joint called Jimmy's Corner, which was like an old boxing bar. And then my buddy took me to, I think this place is called McSorley's, which has been... Boxing bar, where they watch boxing? Yeah, just a place where they appreciate boxing, you know, pictures of boxers on the wall and stuff. And then we went to, I think McSorley's is the name of this pub that uh, has been open since 1850. Abraham Lincoln uh, gave a speech there one time. Wow. Um, It's kind of like a must drink spot if, if you imbibe, so... Yeah, so I raged. I, okay. I, I went crazy and, and kind of partied like the good old days. I
0: think that's an appropriate thing to do after you've done that because
1: it's stressful. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. I mean, I, at the time, I wasn't like committed to sobriety or, you know, I right, wasn't like violating, right. you know, a 12-step yeah. program or something. Yeah, I, right. I had just kind of abstained from drinking for oh, a while. Okay. So, gotcha. um, so that was, that. yeah, that's how I kind of celebrated. Wow. I mean, think about this. If you had booked that show, you'd be getting hassled on Twitter by Kanye West right now. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you, yeah. You gotta. It's it's cheesy as hell, but you gotta have that mentality of like, uh, you know, it wasn't meant to be, or you know, when when God closes a door, he opens a window or whatever. Right. You know. Sometimes he opens a trap door, but whatever. You I've know, never heard that. That's good. With, <laughs> without that, uh, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm I'm still on my path here. So yeah. um. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're still we're still uh, trucking, right? Well, look, congrats on going out there. I think
0: it's an accomplishment in and of itself. And it's always interesting stories you hear like, and it's never the same. Yeah, no doubt. There are some similar elements sometimes. Like someone that's on the show now told me that when they were in their dressing room, they turned on the monitor so that... She was forced to watch the people go before her or something. Oh, And then she's like, hey, is this normal? And they're like, oh, sorry about that. But it was.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't get I didn't get screwed with my. my, Yeah. I didn't have any props. I didn't have any audio cues. I only had me. But I've heard that, too. Yeah. They'll give you a a chair with a wobbly leg or they'll miscue your audio cue or something just to see how you handle that sort of thing.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Did you have this mustache when you auditioned? I do not believe I did. Okay. Because I would, could have seen them being like, hey, let's mess with him in this way. And then they see the mustache and
1: like, never mind. Don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Maybe, you didn't they, the maybe they did mess with me, but I was so present. I didn't even, it, I was, I was unflapped or unfazed. That would be
0: great yeah, if they know, did. So. And you just like weren't even like, this is not even on my radar right now. I'm yeah, so focused. Maybe I would, yeah, maybe. Yeah,
1: I was sort of in, in that zone. So. It's a great story. Yeah, thanks. It's cool. Yeah, it's neat to talk about it. So, yeah. yeah. I appreciate you asking.
0: I just saw you on All American. Yes. <laughs> I was not familiar with that show. It's on the CW. Yeah. I guess the first three seasons are on Netflix now, so a lot of people kind of discovering it. Yes. It was a pretty interesting show, I thought, basically about a guy that's like an athlete in high school, right? Kind of transitioning into college. I think
1: he's a phenom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He's he's really good. It's in their fourth season. So up until basically the episode I was in, I think they were in high school dealing with, you know, high school drama and that sort of thing.
0: So you had to play this guy who was swindling people, I guess. I don't know how, what, How he was he was a landlord that was kind of, uh, I don't know, bait and switching people on what the yeah, apartment was, I, I guess. Believe, I
1: believe in the show I'm referred to as a scam artist slumlord, okay. uh, which really kind of sums it up. <laughs> well, there but, you go. But yeah, a shady, you know, real estate landlord guy. So
0: when when you're auditioning for that, you know, how are you preparing for that? And how, how was the audition process
1: for that? Well, as I recall, that was a super short turnaround. It might have been a same day, actually. Really? Um yeah. And uh, it was a self-tape in the COVID era, so which which I prefer personally. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, you know, I mean, part of the struggle for me is finding somebody who's going to read with me. So so I got to memorize my lines, obviously, and get my act together. But I also am doing, you know, some outreach and and juggling my emails and that sort of thing. So, you know, it wasn't a huge uh, amount of lines or a big batch of sides. And I'm pretty good at memorizing. So I memorized it and I lined somebody up. My friend Julia uh, helped me read. And then My only thing is I I didn't know much about the show at all. So I looked it up a little bit and I kind of realized who I was, which was a a big thing I learned in a class I took um, a few years ago about auditioning is like, look at the page numbers, look, look at where you're appearing in this episode. And also know, you know, look up the actors, know who you're acting opposite. And I realized it's a predominantly, you know, black cast and it's Mm -hmm. younger actors. And, and, you know, so I'm I'm an older white dude. So I'm going to be in this position kind of of power or implied power. And um, there wasn't anything in the script about any sort of like racist or racial undertones. But if I'm being perfectly honest, you know, there's nothing really more villainous than that. So I let that sort of infect my thinking a little bit, um, just in sort of the kind of, you know, my tone, you know, I was a little shitty. I was a little snide and snarky when I was talking, uh, you know, to these people in in the audition. And uh, who knows if that's what what got the lock for me. But yeah, I kind of embraced the, the villainy a little bit. And it was a little indulgent, you know. I played a little less grounded, let's say. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of embraced, you know. I don't want to say the cartoonishness of it, but I, I really, I just relished being evil. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what I felt from you—that's yeah,
0: true. What I felt was real coming from you. Also, was just the whole I'm an adult and you guys are like kids and like you know you don't know anything kind of thing. You know.
1: Yeah. In that regard, it was it was easy to kind of find. what they were looking for. You know, a a lot of it was sort of, as you just alluded to, it was a lot of default power Mm -hmm. dynamics that made it, you know, I had to do less work mentally, so I could just focus on you know my emotions yeah. and, and you know delivering the lines. Where do they shoot that show? The Warner Brothers lot. The first scene where I'm we're actually in like the crappy apartment was in one of those like false brownstones. Okay, that's yeah. like on like the fake New York street, right. or whatever. And that was cool to me because I've taken the tour and I've been on on that lot many times for work or for auditions. Yeah. And I always thought those things were just like straight up facades. Yeah, but a few of them actually 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 have interiors as well. So that was neat. That's one of my favorite parts of booking gigs is just seeing like the bowels of the castle, you know? Yeah. I was shooting uh, Call Me Cat about a year ago Mm -hmm. and I had a big break between a few of my scenes and I don't know if it was really kosher, but... (laughs) I just like walked onto the lot, like the part of the lot that usually those trams go around. And I was just trying doors and going into, you know, Old West saloons and like 1940s diners. And I was just kind of like snooping around for fun. I mean, I did, this,
0: I worked on, uh, my scene got cut, but I worked on American auto this oh, season yeah, yeah. and it was shooting. Well, at least where I had to go get my COVID test because you, know, you have to do all those COVID tests right. for you. It was right, almost right next to that famous monster arch where like Frankenstein comes through and like the Hunchback of Notre Dame and all those things. So I definitely went up there and like, was taking pictures in front of that because that's, because that's something you see on the tour too, right? You're like, this is the famous door that opens and Frankenstein's monster comes through and, you know, yeah. and then, uh, we were also shooting up on Wisteria lane, which just like where they, uh, what was that show? Uh, Desperate, Desperate Housewives. Housewives. Yeah. So the lunch area was right above the lake where Jaws is eating, you know, Jaws is repeating. Yeah, and eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And these people, you know, the, they're coming
1: through on the trams and they can see us eating lunch up there and they're like, oh, well, they think they we're very important people. I forgot <laughs> the Bates Motel is over there too. Yep. Oh God, there was one more anecdote I wanted to say. Oh yeah, so, you know, like I said, I, I've i gotten into backpacking and, you know, I've gone to Yosemite yeah. and, and, you know, Zion and Arches in Utah and like still One of my favorite like POVs is looking up at the Warner Brothers water tower. Pretty cool. So you know my life is going well because that I'll always put that up on social media. That's yeah. that's like the one little breadcrumb I drop. Yeah. When I want to feel good about myself and like get that dopamine hit of like the Instagram likes. Is it on the Sony
0: lot where there's that the rainbow? The
1: rainbow.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a giant rainbow, and yeah. it's hard to even get in one picture. <laughs> you have to back way
1: up. That's also where they had. Uh, I, who knows? It's probably a replica, but they had an ectomobile from Ghostbusters. They've got, they've got a few of them there. Stashed yeah, I always there, take a yeah. picture with the echo. I mean. E- yeah. You know, yeah. it's like they say in sports. You like act like you've been there before. Yeah. But like, man, fuck it, dude. It's the ectomobile. Yeah, like, like, I'm not going to not, gonna not no, take no, a yeah. selfie with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Come and on, then, dude. I'm not going to not touch the fucking thing.
0: Right. And then you and then you're like, oh, it's Ghostbusters Day. Got this picture. Let's throw that out there
1: today. Well, <laughs> Ghostbusters, the original is my favorite movie of all time. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't forgive myself if I didn't indulge my, my fanhood a little bit. Before you go any further, we did have,
0: you know, one of the only nighttime breakfasts that I had. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I I went to Takaya. I think that was the first one. But we went to, I'm a big fan of Thai food. And when you said Thai food, I was like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Rodded. R-O-D-D-E-D. It's... <laughs> It's kind of an unfortunate name. But if you Very look strange. If you look at it, it's a cool name. But then when you try to tell people the name of it, it's really hard. You have to really pronounce it so they don't think you're saying rot- it, rotted rotted? Yeah, rotted. Yeah, you or rotten. Enunciate. Yeah, yeah. Rotted. And then they're like, wait, why is it called rotted? And then you're like, look, I don't know. Yeah. Man. Do I own
1: the place? <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a patron. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's you know, it's 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 supposed to be one of, it's in uh I believe that's called the Thai Town right there, right? Yeah, I think
1: it's like the western edge of Thai Town. Yeah. It might actually be the first Thai restaurant on that right. stretch of Hollywood Boulevard going eastward. And like and then like a couple blocks east of that is there's just a bunch of oh, Thai yeah. places. Yeah.
0: But this place was very good. Um uh, we had one of their specialties was was duck. Yes. And we both talked about, you know, we we like some duck. It's a nice fatty meat. Yeah. And not a, pla- not a lot of places will have, like, we were able to just get, like, half a duck. Yeah. And it was kind of chopped I mean, up for they, us. I they, they stripped it off the bones. Yeah. 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 Which I prefer. Yeah. I mean, this is, I, I would have gone ham either way, but. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I just don't want to have to. It would have been a lot messier if we had to, like, eat off the bone and yeah, all that that's stuff. That's valid. But, yeah. But, <clears throat> yeah, it was, I mean, it was. I don't know. You're, you you really like the duck. What did you think of it?
1: Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was super tender. There was a lot of fat on it, mm-hmm. which honestly was kind of a little bit of a new experience for me. Not that oh, I really? duck often, but, yeah. uh, but I didn't dislike that. I mean, yeah, yeah great flavor. There was a little, um, you know, it came in like a little broth or something mm-hmm. and a little bit of... Uh, just a few greens. Was that that Chinese broccoli? I don't think it was. Okay. You had
0: the Chinese broccoli that was in
1: your uh, Patsy you. Uh, yeah, right? yeah.
0: It could have been just the leaves of it chopped up. I'm not sure. Yeah,
1: but yeah, it was great. It was a perfect little appetizer. because yeah. it, it, it went good. it went quick. But we both got like a decent portion oh, yeah. of the serving. Yeah, yeah.
0: If you guys haven't had duck before, it it does taste a lot like roast beef. I think. Not the skin. Hmm. The skin is like its own thing, you know, and I do like a crispy duck skin. This wasn't necessarily crispy, it still had a good flavor. Yeah. If you getting like a crispy duck skin, it's almost like when you get those chicharrones or the fried pork skin or something like that, mm-hmm. a lot like that. But yeah, it was very tasty. You had the Pad see you. Yeah, with beef. And what is it? It's
1: like a—is it a flat noodle? Yeah, they just called them flat noodles. Yeah, that's basically why I ordered it because I like ordering stuff that I can't make at home or right. I don't get at home, and I've never bought flat noodle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, it's just a noodle, but I was like, it looks what, like I'm, it might be hard to make. though. I want I'm not an exotic sure. noodle, so right. I went with the pad cu. Yeah, usually I go for chow mein, but I okay. was like, nah, let's let's do something different. Now
0: this is the first time having pad cu. No, not necessarily. Okay. Usually it's a, it's the noodle. And it's usually got some chopped up like scrambled egg in it and
1: the chinese broccoli and it's in some kind of sauce yeah right? yeah um what do you think of that chinese broccoli i don't know i mean it, it's fine it was that, that's not what jumped out to me flavor oh really okay yeah, to me a lot of times it's just it's it's very tart so it was just like a steamed vegetable maybe they blanched
0: it to so my this. yeah to me if i go to a thai place and i want to look to see if like okay how legit is this thai place i will look at the pats you and i if it doesn't tell me, I'll ask them, okay, do you have Chinese broccoli or is it listed the regular broccoli? And if they have the regular broccoli, that's fine. I like regular broccoli. But then I'm like, eh, the authenticness factor goes down for me because that's okay. what it is. I like the Chinese broccoli a lot in Patsy. I've never really had it in anything else. I thought it was going to be kind of like cooking collard greens. I went to like this Chinese market and tried to buy some Chinese uh, broccoli one time. And then I tried to make it at home. It was just the worst tasting thing. I was just like, I don't know. I guess I should have looked up how to make it. It was an unmitigated disaster inedible. I have
1: collard greens in my refrigerator right now. I want to try to make some. Oh, that's cool. I might get to that this weekend, actually. Well, if if you're successful at that, then you got to go try to find a
0: recipe for like the, the Chinese broccoli and see what that is. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm just saying,
1: (laughs) because I don't want to do it, John Dreska. Yeah, yeah, let me get through. (laughs) I want to live vicariously through. I'm inching my way through the the leafy uh, cruciferous greens. That's cool. Give me, let me pace myself.
0: Well, if you're talking about the leafy cruciferous greens, what would be your top couple leafy cruciferous greens? Oh, man, I don't know. I,
1: I, I I've been doing no. I've been, I've been buying kale for a long time, yeah. and, and I kind of stopped because uh, I don't know. I just want to do something different. I'm do. I've, I've been doing a balsamic and honey thing with mm-hmm. my Brussels sprouts lately. Yeah, and uh, and I go broccoli. You know, <sighs> Bals- I mean, what I really love are like bell peppers, mushrooms, broccoli, and onions. Yeah. Those are my big four yep. for almost anything I'm making at Those home. Yeah. So I'd have to say broccoli. I think because okay. I'm, I'm consciously distancing myself from kale these days, but broccoli is a staple.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I was eating a lot of kale for a while, and then I also have not been eating a lot of it lately. I don't know if I just got kind of burned out on it or I stopped making
1: salads. Yeah. Uh, I used to make a ton of chicken salads, and now, lately, I just want, like, warm meals. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, like, diced potatoes, some veggies, and a protein. That's sort of thing. I still will get, like, a kale Caesar. Like, I'll go to, like, Tender Greens, get
0: a kale Caesar, which is a Caesar with kale in it. Yeah. That's fine. Cover with kale. Uh, cover with a uh, Caesar dressing.
1: <laughs> Kale's good. I'm not yeah. dogging kale. No, no, no not but at all. I'm, yeah. I'm just,
0: uh, I'm just taking a break. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Well, <laughs> you can't just cook the same stuff all the time. You get right. The, yeah. yeah. Um, So right now, so collard greens, you're trying to like perfect the collard greens right now?
1: Not even perfect, but just whip them up kind of the way they should be. You know, I found a couple recipes. I know that ham or bacon is usually Mm -hmm. involved. And then there's a, you know, there's various disputes about, you know, water versus chicken stock and, you know, adding other spices or honey. I I, I went to a, uh, I was in Oakland for a couple baseball games last year. The White Sox were playing the A's and I ended up at this incredible Caribbean restaurant called Miss Ollie's Mm -hmm. and I had like one of the best meals of my life. You know, potato salad, uh, mac and cheese, the chicken and the collard greens were like on a completely different level than I yeah. ever had before. So um, I just want to get something that's like one percent of Miss Ollie's. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When you go to a place and you got like legit mac and cheese and greens, I mean, there's not much that's better than that.
1: The collard greens are always an afterthought when I get those yeah. types of platters. Yeah. And these were like f- yeah incredible yeah. I, when you I, yeah I, when you go i almost <laughs> just had like a drug flashback thinking about yeah. these collard yeah. greens when here. you yeah when you have really good collard greens it really stands out because oh like God. you said a I, lot of like times i'm looking at the street corner in oakland i was sitting at when i ate those things yeah. i'm having like sensual flashbacks <laughs> well now i'm gonna have to get the i can feel the linoleum of the <laughs> table okay all right i'm back i'm back i'm back I'm in North Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> nice. Let's <sighs> see. What did I have? I had, we're getting, yeah, getting yeah. back to yeah. uh, so Rodden. I, I want you to talk me through this These this egg situation you had yesterday. Oh, got you. Um, well, I'm a big fan. There's certain dishes that you
0: get. I mean, and it's a lot of Asian places. Thai, it's Filipino. Like you'll get like some kind of dish and then you'll add like a an egg on top of it. A lot of times they don't make it as runny of the egg as I want it to be. Oh, yeah. But but to me, I love an egg. I had a crispy pork, so it's basically like fried pork diced up with a nice little sauce and uh, some rice. And then there was a fried egg on top. But I actually asked for (laughs) it. I've never done this before. I was like, can I get an extra egg? Oh, Okay. Because I always feel like there's not quite enough egg.
1: You ordered with the confidence and aplomb of someone who gets the extra egg frequently. That yeah. was your first time. Yeah. Well, the, there you go. I was working my way up to it. Okay. You know, And I'm like, all right, God, I can't
0: act like this is the first time in j- uh, front of John Brusca. Exactly. Breska. You got to act like you've been there before. <laughs> We've been over this. I got to yeah. have some aplomb. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, he's going to come on the show and say that you ordered it with no aplomb. And I cannot have someone saying I have no aplomb on this. Do you like plums?
1: I love plums. Yeah, I had, I had one of the greatest things I ever ate was a plum in Paris. Really? Yeah. Um, we went to Europe. My wife and I went to Europe a couple of years ago, and the best meals, hands down, were in Italy. But some of the best individual ingredients were in yeah. France, and a, a plum and the brie in particular. Oh, brie is really good. I
0: the first children's book that I had published was called "A Plum in Paris." It was a series of haiku. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You had me for a minute. Not gonna lie, you had me in the first half. Wow,
0: um, brie is something I discovered just like a couple years ago. Now I'm just like, God, it's so good. It's very rich, though. Yeah, it's very, yeah. very you, you rich. Gotta, but, you yeah. got in,
1: in in sparing doses, mm-hmm. I think. But now, is
0: yeah. it? Are there? I don't even know for the different. There probably are different variations of the plum. Um, is the is a plum in France the same as a plum if you get it over here? Does it taste different? <sighs>
1: That's a good question. I, I don't know why this stood out. It, I think it might have just been the freshness. You know, they have yeah. standards for freshness, especially in France, that mm-hmm. are crazy. It's like part of their cultural identity. You know, there's rules about bread, you know, how fresh the bread has to be, how much bread can cost. They, yeah. they I believe they intentionally keep the cost of bread down. So everybody has access to the bread. at oh. least. Well, that's, um, that's interesting. But I don't know. It was it was a smaller plum than usual. It wasn't like a big like it was not even the size of a golf ball and it was uh I don't know. It was just really good. I just remember it blowing my socks off. Yeah. It was a whirlwind uh European holiday, so. Good plums
0: are really good. I mean, I'll go, mm-hmm. I'll go I will like when it's like stone fruit season, definitely get some plums and some apricots and peaches and stuff like that.
1: I'm uh, Yeah, I'd, this may be crazy. I'd probably go plum over peach. Yeah. Yeah. What do you go uh Peach and apricot. Apricots are fine. They're kind of cute. Yeah. They're, they're almost sort of a novelty. Yeah. And I think they're blander than peaches. Yeah. So I got to go peach. I got you. Gosh, when is stone fruit season coming around again? It's like summer, right? Summer, I've never even summer. considered the season. I, I mean, I just... I don't know. If it's on the shelf, I'll get it. Somebody told me that. And I just. That'd be a good name for. <laughs> I, I always loved thinking of any, anything that's a good name for a racehorse is also probably a good name for an improv team. Oh, yeah. Stone Fruit season would be yeah. a great yeah, racehorse. Yeah, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And down the strip they come. <laughs> well, let me take you back to this egg because so that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, got yeah, two yeah. fried eggs, right? Yep. They looked a little different. They they looked. How was the yolk? It wasn't as runny as I wanted it to tell Okay. Be. So yeah, I think they yeah. may have overdone but that's the, how the, the fry a little
0: bit. That is how they usually do it, though. There's not much yolk. And I always want, I, I should have told them, it's hard. You know, you don't want to like tell them to
1: change it too much. Yeah. Uh, the whites around the yolk mm-hmm. were, um, you know, they looked like they, they were they were kind of bubbly. They were they bubbly they, they, and curled up a little I bit. I want to say yeah. frazzled yeah, almost. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It um, wasn't
0: a pretty display of egg, is what. What you're saying it Which wasn't like the fine. Fly, no, it, yeah. t- it tasted fine. But, but I was, was wondering.
1: I don't know. Did they fry it in more oil than I'm used to? Was there a different cooking technique? I'm not even aware. They they looked good as hell, but they looked different. They from looked the most different. Fried eggs they I were not seen. smooth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they were very,
0: they were uh, corrugated, perhaps. Yeah. God, I don't know, man. That's not I just like took it as like, oh, these eggs were just grew up in a bad neighborhood. They're rough, yeah. uh,
1: corrugated, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> coagulated. Yeah,
0: and coagulated. Both. Yeah, coagulated. Still tasted good. There was some yolk in. There, but I prefer like the entire yolk. But yeah, it was still very good. I mean, got crispy pork, and then you got the anything I can have like a runny yolk over like eggs. It's kind of like that's that's kind of like
1: my childhood like Filipino food. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm an absolute freak. Uh, I could eat. 13 pounds of anything but like I yeah. uh, I could I could eat all, I could eat that whole menu of that place. It's yeah. a very good restaurant. I would certainly recommend it.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a great place. And you know, I was telling you there's a place by my house that's like recommended very highly and we go there all the time. It's in our neighborhood. It's called Sri Siam, Siam, I'm not sure how to say it. It's mm-hmm. the it's the City Siam which used to be I guess used to be the capital, Siam back in the day, King of Siam. Anyway, right. Sri Siam and but the thing about Sri Siam is they don't have any signature dish that I'm aware of. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, people come from miles around to get this. Now, the duck at Rotted, I think people come to get that duck.
1: Yeah. yeah. I've never thought of that. Is that the mark of, of like a, a a restaurant? You got to have one, the one thing that no one else does better?
0: I think sometimes when it's like one of these, I guess what I'm saying is they're in Thai town right there, right? Yeah. So how do you distinguish yeah. which one you're going to go to? You know what I mean? Valid. There's got to be something where you're like, I got this. I got to go here to get this. Otherwise, I could just randomly pick because they're all probably good. Yeah. I haven't really talked about that before and I hadn't thought about it that much. Much, but that's what i was thinking when i saw that i was like oh this duck really stands out because they have the, the roasted duck you can get and they also have like a duck soup
1: yes both of things that are not readily available i don't think in most places. places. the chef's special and also sh- some duck related that's right duck stew or something so, you know so they're just like taking out ducks in that place man <laughs> i'm all for it, man duck you know whatever if, if you're not into carnivorous lifestyle that's fine but like yeah ducks ducks taste really good
0: Thank you for going there with me. Oh, we also went to Bon Kanom Thai, which was, it looked a little bit like a general store.
1: Yeah, it wasn't strictly like a dessert or a pastry joint. But they had a lot of desserts and pastries in there. Yeah.
0: And, you know, what's interesting to me is, like, they had an abundance of desserts in there, right? And fried bananas. But at Rotted, and I don't know, maybe they just, like, maybe that's just the choice they made. Maybe they're expensive right now. Rotted was like, we don't have any bananas right now. We don't have any desserts. I was like, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) Because then we went down the street. It's like, they got all the desserts. So is this place just taking all the desserts and no one else can have them? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a plantain shortage in Tide Town. I mean, but those fried bananas were really good. good. (laughs) Yeah, we got fried taro, too. Fried taro. Yeah, the the taro root, which I, like I told you, I only know that from playing the game Red Dead Redemption. Okay, yeah. Or Red Dead 2 and walking around gathering roots for like some kind of concoction. That is a
1: North American staple crop, yes. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: In, uh, like, in the South, maybe, around New Orleans, Louisiana? That's what I feel like. Okay. Thank you for going to Rotted and Bon Kanom Thai. Yeah, both of those places. They're both delicious. Before we get out of here. I also have to get three quick recommendations from John Bosco. Yes. Prescott. What is a TV show or a film that you like that you think people, uh, is it kind of a hidden gem that maybe people haven't seen?
1: Oh, hidden gem? Okay, I'm gonna throw one at you here. There's this movie from 2012 starring Joseph Gordon Levitt called Premium Rush. Okay. Where he's a bike messenger in Manhattan. Yeah. Michael Shannon is the villain. And this movie is great. It's a 90 minute action crime thriller about bike messengers. I remember seeing the trailers and thinking this doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. And even people hearing me describe it right now might be rolling their eyes. But I'm telling you, man, put this movie on. It's awesome. All right. It's great action. It's got a little bit of a sense of humor. JGL's not at the top of my list for anything, but he's good. You know, he's definitely a leading man hero. And Michael Shannon is at the top of my list for some things. So whenever you can see him just being villainous as hell, it's awesome. pre Rush. Yeah, just you saying those two together—it's—it's
0: it's a sounds like a delightful uh, combination of two actors working together. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, just the way I know both of them go about their business acting. It's um, one of
1: those like kind of real time movies where it's—it's—it takes about you know they cheat a little bit, but it's—it's it's a ninety minute runtime, and it, the movie takes place in about ninety minutes. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of like zipping back and forth, and and you know running to opposite sides of town, and then like con- uh, different timelines into intersecting different characters points of view it's cool okay i'd recommend it check that out yeah what's the show or movie that you watch just for fun i'm watching curb for the first time i love the office but i think seinfeld's the gold standard yeah i mean you, you can't go wrong with seinfeld
0: look it's one of those it passes my test of almost any time i turn the channel and it's on i just watch the rest of that episode yeah. i'm not turning the
1: channel you know, the, the discussions we're having now around diversity and inclusivity, you know, that that's some criticism that can fairly be, sure. be placed on Seinfeld. Yeah. But another bar for me is always, does this translate from a technology standpoint? Mm-hmm. And it pretty much does. Yeah. They have a lot of bits where they're on pay phones or there's a miscommunication because yeah. they can't reach one another. But I think most of it still translates. Yeah. So it's got to be Seinfeld. The Simpsons are also great. I grew up with The Simpsons, right. but I think Seinfeld is... Because it's live action, it's easier for me to, as you said, if I stumble into it, I'm instantly there. Yeah. What is the show or movie that inspires you? Dog Day Afternoon. Ooh! I all was, right. I was gonna say The Sopranos, which is yeah. great. I mm-hmm. love James Gandolfini. But I saw Dog Day Afternoon last year for the first time, and it's it basically skyrocketed Pacino to the top of my list. Yeah. I think people, some people, consider him histrionic or over the top or kind of a caricature of himself. Mm-hmm. But his stuff in the 70s, he's so sensitive, he's so vulnerable, he's soft-spoken. Dog Day is a it's a great crime, you know, heist film based on real events. John Cazali, who's got a, an incredible story, yeah. is also in it. It's Pacino at his best. And he runs the gamut. He, I mean, he's also a maniac. That, That's the Attica sequence that, right, that right. Uh, it's always Sonny made fun of eventually. <laughs> yes, but yes. yeah, it was crazy. I was I was glued to the TV watching this movie because, you know, so, there's plenty of old movies that are good. But, you know, a movie that's 50 years old from the 70s, sometimes it's a little hard to, you know, sometimes the emotions don't translate. Yeah. And Dog Day, Dog Day is flawless and Pacino is incredible. You, you have to watch it yeah. if you haven't seen it and you're an actor.
0: All right. Yeah. No, yeah. it's a great movie. Look, I'm a little, uh, you're from the Chicago area. I'm a little disappointed that you didn't say the movie The Sting, which is the greatest movie of all time.
1: Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I, I Wait, should probably watch The Sting one of these days. Oh, you've never seen The Sting? <laughs> Not cover to cover. It's no. oh, a great movie. Dog the Afternoon, though, also a classic. Yeah.
0: A lot of those 70s movies kind of hold up, you oh, know. Yeah, yeah, The acting I, is so great. It I was didn't like, mean you know, to dog a whole No, no, decade, no, no, but... <laughs> you, no,
1: I don't think you did. I don't think you did. Cool. Another great sleeper, real quick, is The Conversation with Gene Hackman. That's great, really good. Great flick. Yeah. yeah. That's what yeah. Coppola made between the two godfathers. Really? I believe so, yes. That's you know crazy. who else is in The Conversation? Hmm. John Cazale. Yeah, sometimes you see these movies that people make back to back, and you're like, "This is crazy." The dude was—it's—it's—it's tra- it's, it's tragic. He passed away very early. The dude was only in five movies, and they were all nominated for Best Picture. Wow, that's a legacy. Yeah, right he's there. crazy. Yeah, jeez.
0: Well, thanks for those recommendations. Those are all great. Yeah, guys, if you'd like to get more breakfast stuff, such as pics of. John Druska and I enjoying our breakfast from Rotted Tie. Go to my website, brentpope.com. You can listen to all the breakfast episodes there. You can see a clips from all my TV appearances in the official breakfast store with a bunch of fun stuff. Shirts, mugs, stickers, masks. John Druska, Moon County action figures, guys. Only eight left. People of Earth, do yourself a favor by picking up something from the breakfast store. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to breakfast to make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Breakfast is being enjoyed all over the United States and in 52 countries across the globe. So... Trust me about Breakfast Burrito Brigade. We are just getting started. Special thanks to my studio engineer, Marco Leon, at the fabulous Tiny Studio LA, tinystudiola.com, for making me sound so good. John Druska, what's next for you and where can we find you on social media? Uh,
1: Social media, I'm on Instagram Mr. Druska M-I-S-T-E-R D-R-U-S-K-A and uh, what's next for me is uh, yet to be determined. Yeah. I'm auditioning I'm still grinding. Um, I'm I'm constantly writing something so wrapping up a multicam pilot and a feature uh, comedy script. Just gotta keep working.
0: Cool, man. Well, it was really great look, full uh, disclosure, John and I, you know, used to work at the same club see each other all the time and then spend been years since we've seen each other yeah it's been a little while and you know sometimes you see someone you're like god i missed hanging out with this dude he's so john dresser is one of the funniest people that i know and i know th- three funny people uh so... <laughs> no but seriously thanks <laughs> <laughs> great having food with you discussing food with you and talking about all of our creative journeys stuff like that yeah i appreciate Let's...
1: the uh the invitation it's uh it, it's truly um humbling and, a, and an honor to 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 get to come here and chat with you
0: excellent well that was a weird response.
1: Gotcha. I, th- I, got, I yeah, got you. Him. Did. I got you him. did. I threw, <laughs> I threw him off with my What authenticity. is happening?
0: I could edit all this out, but I won't. Emotional truth. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we put another double-fried egg on top of crispy pork episode of Brent Rampope in the Ultigo Bag. See ya.